Welcome to Burst, inspiring open-minded and open-hearted people looking to fully realize their true potential. Want to learn more about our podcast, view show notes or see what we offer? Then visit burst.fm. And while you're there, hit the button to subscribe to the show so you'll never miss out. And to keep up with all things Burst, be sure to join our Facebook group. Now, without further ado, let's jump right in. Hi, so I'm so excited today to introduce Alan Leach, who is our speaker today. Alan is a Gestalt therapist and an international speaker. He's studied at the Institute of Philadelphia and has 30 years in this field. Alan is an expert in dreams and also grief and shame. In addition, Alan is also trained to be a priest in England. Alan has run many workshops throughout the UK in Norway, Australia and the USA. And also as an added bonus in this session, Alan will be performing an demonstration on dreams. Fantastic. Welcome, Alan. Thank you for inviting me and hello to your listeners. Alan, I'm so excited to get into this topic of dreams with you um, because I've had the privilege of being Alan's student when he was teaching counselling and I've had the privilege of watching him in action and it was amazing. Now it's not like anything else I've seen because normally people will go and pick a book up off the shelf and say, you know, I, I, I don't know, say I dreamt about flying down the stairs. They'll open the book up, what does that mean? That's what most people tend to do for the dreams. So can you explain how this approach is different and how, how, it's, how it works? I can. Uh, so the idea of approaching the dream from my stance is that if you think about a dream, yeah, is that the person who's created that dream is you. You are the author of it. So if I'm going to want to find out about what that meaning is for you, then I need to approach the author and ask the author. You can't really ask a reader of a book what the author originally intended because the reader is looking into the book with their own thoughts, with their own feelings, with their interpretations. So what you need to do is you need to go to the source. So if it's your dream, then I need to come to you and to understand it from what we call your frame of reference, how you view it. So it isn't simply about going to a book and looking at the universal meaning of what stairs mean and what universal meaning of what uh, the sea means. It's about really appreciating your view about what the sea, uh, what the sun, uh, what the moon means for you within your dream. And I think that is uh, unique about the approach. Yeah, and it's often what people are most surprised about. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Because it, it, it's, it, like you say, it's about you. So, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So that leads me on to Alan. What are dreams? That's a good question. Uh, and I think it's one of the most asked questions. And uh, if you ask the scientists, they would say, we still don't know. Yeah. You know, that in some ways there are so many ideas, yeah, and for me when I think about all those ideas, they all show a certain amount of the truth. 
So for me, uh, I'm seeing dreams in a certain way, which is a psychological event. Yes. Uh, But I'm equally open to dreams being premonitions. You know, I'm equally open to dreams being astral projections. I'm incredibly open to lucid dreaming. So I see dreams in a multi-layered, multifaceted way, really. There isn't one particular reason why we dream. There isn't one particular function why we dream. And there isn't one particular way of understanding what dreams are. But for me, I see them as psychological events. And when I mean psychological, the definition of psychology obviously means mind, but it also means spirit and soul. Psychology is the study of mind, spirit and soul. So I see dreams also equally as spiritual events, as events of the soul as well. Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. fantastic. So in this current time, um, there's a lot of fear with the virus going around and I know that you have a platform on Facebook where people can write in the dreams. Um, We'll put that link for the listener on at the end. Um, Are you seeing that fear reflected in others' dreams at the moment? I think that's a a really good question to ask. And I think, first of all, if we look, well, what are dreams? What are the content of our dreams? Yeah, and one way of looking at the content is looking at it in kind of three ways. Yeah, the first is that dreams are projections of ourselves. Yes. So therefore, if you think of the mind as being a screen, yeah, and the unconscious being a projector, yeah, our dreams are really our unconscious projecting onto the screen of the mind aspects of ourselves, projections of ourselves. Secondly, we could think of dreams as being parts of ourselves that require closure. Things that are unfinished, things that beg for attention. Yeah, and that could be unresolved issues, it could be unexpressed emotion, uh, going back all the way to a childhood, a range of things. What we could call unfinished business. Yeah. Yeah. And thirdly, we can see dreams as existential messages. And what I mean about that is how it means, what it means for us to be living as a human being in this world. What it means for us to live a life where we are going to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where we are born alone and die alone. Where we are free and we have determined actions that allow us to make choices in our life. To be responsible ultimately for the meaning that we create in the face of meaninglessness. And I think all those speak to the times that we're talking about and living through now. How do we make meaning of the pandemic? How do we live in isolation? Uh, and as we know, we're having people dying by themselves. Mm-hmm. And there was that case of the week where the uh, health minister said, you know what, we're going to lift up this ban of people visiting, people who are dying, because we had a young boy of 13 die in hospital by himself. Mm-hmm. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Terrible. You know, so those kind of issues uh, are creating uh, an anxiety within us yeah, 
that is both a healthy anxiety, of course, because yes. that is, and fear is anxiety, but also an unhealthy anxiety as well. When that anxiety becomes in a way that uh, leads us to function less. So, such examples of depression, yes. yeah, uh, 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 feeling completely helpless, uh, things that render us unable to function. So, so dreams can be a way of expressing those concerns, those fears, those worries, and they're played out in our unconscious and made available to us in our dreams. But the issue is this, that we have hidden aspects of our struggles because we struggle to face them. Yes. So we put them in the dreams as a way of trying to process it, but actually we don't have a conscious understanding of it. It's kind of like hiding what you don't want to see. Mm. It's like shutting off what you don't want to feel. Yeah. Yeah. And the ourselves, that healing part of us, yeah, is trying to make sense, trying to express. So that's what's been just trying to work through in our dreams. It's quite magical really when you think of the human and the mind because especially when you said about um, things that need resolving, I guess that comes with when you're not, when it's not hidden, is like reoccurring dreams. And they can come back either in a similar way or slightly different <laughs> yeah. and, and keep repre representing themselves. And it's kind yeah. of like, the way I see it, it's kind of like a message of, come on, you know, you've still got this to work through. Come on, it's knocking at the door sort of type of thing. And when yeah. you think about that, like it really makes me smile to think how amazing the human body and the, and the mind is. Because really, yeah. if you listen to it and, and you do the work, um, yeah. like with the work what you're doing to help people, you can actually grow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think what's important about that, you know, is that Freud said uh, uh, said that the avoidance of the legitimate suffering leads to neurosis. Yeah, the avoidance yeah. of legitimate suffering leads to neurosis. So it's often what we're unable to face, what we find so difficult. You know, aspects of ourselves that we've had to fragment, split, alienate, dissociate, any of those words, because at the time, the environment, the people around us couldn't support us, yeah. It's those aspects, really, that are looking for attention in our present, yeah, yeah. and that's played out in our dreams, and often the unconscious has to knock very loudly in order for you to hear. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you're yeah. saying, So therefore, repetitive dreams, you know, dreams that stand out often to most of people, is like the unconscious wanting to heal you, yeah. yeah, and having to knock really loudly. It's like, listen to me, Nikki. Yes, yeah. Would you say that's just led me to another thought? I know nightmares and dreams is really just dreams, isn't it? But, yeah, absolutely. But obviously, the human has just labelled it as a, a nightmare, as a, as a not-so-nice dream. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Would you say that what people call a nightmare, they're the sort of like louder knocking ones because they're a bit more frightening and a bit more disturbing and... Uh, interestingly, uh, what I often say is that the most innocent dreams 
yeah. yeah, can be your worst nightmare. They can True, be yeah. your manifest. And your mm -hmm. nightmares, the ones that terrify you, can mm -hmm. end up being your best friends. True, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and I'll give you an example of that. I remember working with somebody uh, on a dream about some lions that were in a garden. And she was terrified of them. And she was terrified at her back door looking at those lions. And it was a repetitive dream like we're talking about. But when she went into the dream with me and came out the other end, she realized that those lions weren't there to eat her, to be frightened of. They were there to protect her. Mm -hmm. Oh, how lovely. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And when I recall that, I can almost feel the emotion of the relief that she had just knowing that. Yeah. yeah. And, the point that I know is that she never had that dream again. Because often when you work on a dream, you, it, it just disappears. Yeah. You know, you have closure, and then, of course, the next layer appears. Because yes. we are an onion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in our healing, in our recovery, you know, in our, in, in our own empowerment work, you know, we are really just revealing layers of hurt and suffering and trying to find where our beauty is, uh, within the struggle, yeah. which is what you were saying a bit earlier on, wasn't it? Yeah. Is that in some ways we can think of the unconscious as our friend that is trying to help us uh, heal and move towards personal fulfillment, uh, however you would like to uh, describe it. Yeah. Yeah. There was, uh, I mean, as you've been talking, it's reminded me of something that I heard um, about a description about how the soul works and the soul, if it's, if it's separated from ourselves. But it's projected like through a stained glass window and so all those sort of like aspects and, and fragments and distortions are all sort of like sprinkled in, and, and we're having those different meanings of it but it's like a dream could be like that pure white light that pierces through it and gives you those kinds of messages you know it's just just the way that i sort of like fantasize or romanticize about how dreams might work you know yeah. yeah, yeah, and I like that because really what we try and do is make sense of our own self as a dreamer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and how our relationship is with our dreams is something that we developing ourselves. Because although dream, as we know, is a global phenomenon, a universal phenomenon, we all dream like we mm. all feel pain. Mm. Yeah, we all have our own different relationship with our pain, and we have our own different relationship with our dream life as well. Yeah. And uh, you know, I would call dream work soul work. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So therefore, I love that idea of soul, you mm. know, because I think it is the way of our soul looking for healing. Mm. Because what we know is that from a Gestalt psychology perspective, mm -hmm. yeah, is that we move towards closure, which means that we move towards healing. Mm -hmm. We move towards making ourselves complete again. Yeah. You know, Gestalt psychotherapy is about a holistic view of the person where physical emotional, spiritual and intellectual are working together in a unified whole. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a beautiful image, but unfortunately, as we know, is that actually bits of us fall off, bits of us get broken. So our ability to be able to move and live in the immediate moment is impaired because that ability for us to act as a union or a unified whole uh, comes how dysfunctional. We don't have all of us available to us. Yeah. You know, so therefore we can function as fully as we could. Yeah. So what we're really doing in dream work and in any kind of healing, therapy work, whatever that is, is that we are moving, yeah, towards helping the person become more whole again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we're moving the person towards embracing their physical, emotional, 
spiritual and intellectual needs yeah. working yeah. together. Because we recognize, don't we, that the disturbance, that illness, yeah, that dis-ease, yes. yeah, doesn't just happen in one quadrant. If you're physically unwell, we know, don't we, that it impacts you emotionally, it impacts you intellectually, your mind, yeah. and yeah. it impacts spiritually on you. Yes. yes. Is that it depletes you. And for me, my understanding of who we are is that the core of us is our spiritual being. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I, I've been on a few different retreats which have had quite um, a slant towards Gestalt um, practices, and the Mankind Project was one of them. And, and when you was talking about the physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual, they use the acronym PIES. So we have a okay. check-in and we have a check-in so I see what our pies are, how we're doing physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Nice. And that's quite cool. And and, and, and yeah, there's yeah. similar kinds of exercises with things like the Hoffman process as well. So yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a strong advocate for, for you know, for certainly the assault kind of practices. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Lisa Cooper-Ross, who was that famous doctor who did a lot of perineum work in bereavement and loss, I was lucky enough to go to one of her workshops. She talked about the emotional, physical, intellectual, and spiritual quadrants. Mm -hmm. You know, and interesting what, what he said is that uh, that if you haven't done enough work on your emotional quadrant, mm. then it's a huge barrier to your spiritual quadrant. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, so therefore we need to do the spiritual work, of course. But also what needs to be done there is the emotional work as well. And certainly as an ordinant, I'm trained to be a priest in the Church of England at the moment. Wow. Yeah. I've had people uh, come to me, you know, other ordinants said, oh, I understand, Alan, that you work on dreams. I said, absolutely, I've got strength for you. And then they'll come out of that and say, oh, my goodness me, you know, I've been on spiritual healing. You know, I prayed for this. I've, I've you know, put it to God. I hadn't realized this hadn't been healed yet. And I said, well, yeah, you're healing this dimension of it. Mm. But often what we tend to do is forget that the pain still remains in our body, that we know that yeah, physical yeah. pain, emotional pain, is recorded and the body is held in there. And that pain needs to be discharged. It needs to be, in the Liz of Kubler-Ross's word, it needs to be externalized. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And often what you tend to find in dream work is that it can be incredibly cathartic. You know, it can be incredibly, before you know it, you can be in emotion quite quickly. Yeah. You know, because if you think about it, if, if one function of dreams is uh, to be able to hold difficult situations to one side, then there will be emotions that run alongside that. Yeah. 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 And we will flee from emotional pain more than physical pain. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah straight yes. away. It's the emotional pain. For every reason that is, uh, people tend to want to dissociate, separate from it. Mm -hmm. And as we know, in terms of self-harming, people would rather physically hurt themselves and get catharsis yes. that way than actually go into their emotions and feelings and actually discharge the original emotion. Yeah. Yes. And for different reasons that we probably don't have time to talk about. No, no, no. <laughs> I think there is, there's reasons for that. Yeah. So often behind much dream work that I've known and behind much of the psychotherapy work I've done uh, is often unexpressed pain. Mm. And certainly, yeah. you know, you know, from from me being a priest and begin to introduce some of that into my own training, it's proved very powerful for those people who maybe not uh, experience themselves in such a emotive, powerfully uh, cathartic way. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Fantastic. 
Well, that leads me on to my next question, Alan. What about people who say they don't dream? Ah, okay. Or they don't mm -hmm. remember the dreams? Right. Well, I like the way that you separate the two off, uh, because often people will come to me and absolutely say, Alan, I don't dream. I haven't dreamed for years. But quite rightly, what you pointed to is not the fact that they haven't dreamed, they don't remember their dreams. You know, and I guess it goes back to maybe what we said, I was saying a little bit earlier, that if you think about dreams as being a place where things are camouflaged for us, where that we are hiding problematic things that we struggle to process and make sense of, then our unconscious, you know, is played out in our dreams. Yeah, yeah. But then if you forget your dreams, it's like forgetting yourself twice. Mm. It's like hiding something, then hiding the hiding place. Yes, yes. <laughs> so sometimes when people say to me, uh, Alan, you know, I can't, you know, I don't remember, you know, or uh, I say, you know, it's, it's like saying I don't remember myself. Yes, yeah, so. yeah. That's really interesting, isn't yeah, it? Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's interesting knowing that, you know, at least 80% of people forget their dreams within the 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's so, a hell of a lot of people forgetting themselves. Yes. <laughs> so would you say it's a good idea, Alan, to, for people to keep a journal? Um, so if they wake up in the middle of the night having dreamt, to then just have that handy to write it down? Because I've found you can... I think I mentioned earlier, I I had a dream, totally forgot about it, and the only reason I know about it is because the following night, as I was going to sleep, I remembered that I'd had a dream from the night before, which is a bit strange. Um, yeah. But had I wrote that down and as, as I'd have woke up, I would have, probably would have remembered that earlier. So would you recommend that for people to... Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've all experienced this, isn't it? Is that, you know, we wake up and the dream's gone, but we know we've dreamt. And then somewhere along the day, something triggers it. And you go, oh, I remember that dream. Yeah. <laughs> and it can clear. So, absolutely. So, there's two, two responses, really. The first thing is that uh, you should absolutely, if you're interested in working in dreams, you know, and for example, you, you don't remember many of them, have a, a jot of that, jot it down uh, straight away, and then go back to sleep and uh, and then you've got that and I've done that occasionally myself particularly when I've found that I've had a dream that's quite prophetic yeah I remember uh, believe it or not having a dream where a verse of the Bible came to me just came to me wow. and I, I mean never happened before never has happened and I remember waking up and I, I just I remember going and writing it down yeah. and then I actually went and looked it up in the morning and it was just right on the money Wow. So, um, so, yeah, I think that's really useful. But secondly, yeah, is that you don't need to be able to remember dream in order to work on it. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, I often have worked with people who can't remember their dreams. Yeah, and sometimes working with people who can't remember the dreams is some of the most profound work I've done. Mm. And I remember just at one of my last workshops, somebody brought me a dream and uh, she couldn't, she, she couldn't remember any of her dreams. And she said, oh, Alan, how am I going to work on this? And I said, oh, don't worry. We'll sort it out. And within 10 minutes, she said, this has been the most profound work 
that I've ever done and she said it literally changed her life. Wow. wow. And that's from a dream to, and she just couldn't remember her dreams. Yeah. So, um, so you can work on dreams that you remember and not and also you can work on dreams by yourself. Yeah, and on my website, uh, Working on Dreams of Gestalt Approach, there is a section you can go into that has got specific steps in order to work on your dreams where your little jotter will come in quite handy Brilliant. because then you, you yeah. have access to the content. Yeah. You can't, it's be difficult for you to probably work on a dream that you can't remember. I think you probably need somebody like me who's got that extra expertise to be able to do that. Yes. And that's often very powerful material as well. So. We'll, we'll make sure that we include that link in the show notes so the listener can actually access that. I, I had a look at that yeah. earlier and it was, it, was, it was quite impressive with how you've talked to, through that process. So thanks for that. Fantastic yeah. result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So that leads us nicely on to a demonstration if you're ready, Alan. And first of all, Nikki, thank you for volunteering. I, I really appreciate it. Okay. And um, how about saying a little bit about this dream that you had? Okay, so. It involved a friend and I had just arrived at her house and I was stood in the hallway and she was coming down the stairs with a with an elderly lady and this part really got to me because I, I really had strong feeling that my friend, she's what she's one of my best friends, kind of dismissed me. And I felt very hurt by that because I'd walked in her house and she's coming down the stairs with this lady and she, she kind of had this look on her face to say, as if I was in the way, you know, what are you doing here, sort of thing. So <clears throat> I felt really upset about that. Then as the dream unfolds, I then felt guilt because we went to another room in a house and there was all family sat round and this lady who was coming down the stairs had just lost her partner um, and that's actually bringing tears to me because I thought how selfish am I being worrying about that when this lady's just lost her partner and, and I was trying to justify why my friend would be ignoring me but she obviously I don't know, had something else, you know, she was obviously, it was more about that lady. And then a weird part in the dream was, which seems totally disconnected to the rest of it, we all started blowing bubbles, you know, like you get as a child those bubble things, but we didn't have those, just literally bubbles came out of our mouths. And it was all these beautiful pinks and blues and nice. we're all doing yeah. it in this room. And I, and yeah, that was. I don't know what that meant, but you know, yeah, that was that was the full dream, I think. Wow. Um, so first of all, um, when approaching the dream, yeah, the way that Gestalt approaches it, and the way that I do, is you are the author of it, which means that you are every part of the dream. Yeah. So therefore, when we work with the dream, or when I'm going to work with the dream, uh, I'm going to pick a part of the dream. Yeah, yeah. That I think. Uh, that I'm most drawn to, just yeah. because we've got a limited time. Yes. Yeah. And something that kind of stood out for when you were talking was the the sense of being dismissed. Yes. Ah! Yes. Yes. The sense of being dismissed. So my suggestion is, is because if these parts of the dreams are a part of us, 
yeah, and we want to know more about the part of us, we set up a conversation, we set up a dialogue. So what I'm going to suggest that you do is that you imagine the part of you that dismisses yourself. Yeah. Okay. Now you just, uh, and again, you know, this work can be motive. So just, uh, you know, just see how it goes, and just, and I'll, I'll check in with you, yeah. and I'll give you some instructions. Yeah. So if you put that part of you in front of you that dismisses you, yeah, yeah, what would that part look like? So, and how I want you to do this is to say, you are the part of me that dismisses me. You are, and then just describe as best you can what you see in front of you. You are a part of me that dismisses me. You are distant, cold, and a bit shadowy. Yeah, and how did that feel when you said that, when you described that? Um, it feels quite sad. Yeah. 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 So you are the part of me that dismisses me. Yeah. And I feel sad about that. Just see that and see how that feels. So you are a part of me that dismisses me, and I forgot. I it. feel sad about I that. Feel I feel sad about that. I feel sad about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And what what feeling have you got now as you say that? I think it's it feels quite nice to be able to say that, but it still it still feels a bit sad that I could think that about myself. If you see what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, what I want you to say is that I feel sad that you can think this about me. I feel sad that you can think this about me and want to dismiss me in this kind of way. I remind you of the words. I feel sad that you, you think about me. You think about me, me. This way. This way. And want to dismiss me. And want to dismiss me. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Can you feel that a bit more emotion now? Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I just want you to stay with that for a little bit and just notice that emotion, mm. notice that sadness, you know, and that sadness probably goes deep. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I can feel it. Yeah, yeah. it goes deep. Yeah, yeah it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what does that part of you talking from that sadness need from her? What do you need from her when you contact that sadness and see her in front of you as someone who attempts to dismiss you? What do you need from her? Just take your time with it. It feels like it needs to be heard. Yeah. So is that you needing to be heard? Or them needing to be heard? M me. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So I need you to hear me. Yeah. Just so yeah. I need you to sounds. hear me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what does she need to hear from you? It, it needs to hear the... You need to hear that. <laughs> yeah. You need to hear the yeah. sadness. 
you need to recognize how sad yes. I am about this. Yes. You yeah. need to recognize how sad I am about this. Yeah. I need your recognition of how sad I feel about the way that you treat me. Yes. Just say those words and I'll remind you. Yeah. Can you just remind me? Because your unconscious is always trying to fit it to one side, so I'll always remind people. Yes. So I need you to hear. I need you to uh, hear. That I want recognition from you. That I want recognition from you. About how sad I feel. About how sad I feel. In the way that you treat me. In the way that you treat me. How does that sound when you say that? It's it, it feels a bit more resolving. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it feels like it's unraveling. Yeah. Because it's actually nice to one discover that part of you. Yeah. And, and that part of me. Yeah, part of me. Yes. Yeah, that part of me. Yeah. And then and then have a voice around it to 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 deal with it and to for that part to Listen. So now what, yeah. what you can say now, Nikki, is that I have now found more of a voice to deal with you now. I have found more of a voice to deal with you now. Because you've been dealing with her for a long time. You're just finding more of a voice in this moment to be able to acknowledge to her how you feel and to tell her that you're, you're, you're giving voice to that so yeah. that she can hear it. Yes. And that, that was beautiful to see you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's amazing. I, I, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually enjoyed watching that process. And, and, and for the listener, we, we actually did one earlier with Alan on, on me. And, you know, and I, I get, you know, sometimes you, your head is sort of like just so mushy kind of thing. And you're trying to remember what to repeat. And, and, and it's, like, it's, it's like your subconscious is, or you're, or you're still, your inner critic is trying not to allow you to fully express yourself so that inner critic work you know which it boils down yeah. to as you, as you mentioned is is so yeah. significant and i didn't realize you know the inner critic could have such a, a disguise to actually appear in, in, in your dreams and things so um that's quite, yeah, yeah. quite well, remember, remember we've disguised it ourselves yeah, yeah. yeah. Hidden, we've hidden disguised it ourselves. yeah. and <laughs> uh, the power of that isn't it it's quite right we say is that the inner critic is a part of us mm. that requires acknowledgement, mm. you mm. know, uh, but is also the part of us that attempts to punish us as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But that part of us came from an earlier part of us that developed that way of being to somehow protect us. Yes. yes. Yeah. So an example of that beautifully, isn't it, is the child yeah, will stop loving themselves other than think that the mother or the father or the significant other doesn't love them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's more tolerable to think that you don't love you yourself than your mum or your dad or your significant other doesn't. It's yes. more tolerable. Yes. And it's yes. a great creative adjustment because it's protecting the person from the ultimate, which is this person doesn't love me. Yes. So you can see how that inner critic develops. And of course, what we're talking about underneath it is shame. Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, yes. It's a, yeah. a, a whole new podcast there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. There is. Again, so I mean, thank you yeah. for that interview. Yeah. No, thank you, Alan. It. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. That was fantastic. <clears throat> it's so uh, amazing to see you in action. It's yeah. really fantastic. Thank you.
and again, it's it's one of those things that we're peeling layers off, isn't it? And and you know, I mean, like alchemy, we have these shadows or these dark dark aspects within ourselves, but eventually we convert that into gold, and we, and we shine from that. So it's continually peeling these layers and working with them and growing from there. So beautiful, you yeah. know, that we can find other ways and tools to actually recognize these. I think you yeah. said something about that we don't need to look into light, we need to look into the darkness. Yeah. And that's where the dreams will take you, because really what we're working on here is unconscious material. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Material that you put to one side, that you haven't had the resources until this moment to be able to process with me. You've been doing it in lots of different ways yourself, in all the healing and everything you've been doing. But this moment, this part of you, now has had a little bit more healing. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. has come home a little bit more. Yes. yes. Thank you. Fantastic. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. And it really does, um, once you've had a session like that, it really does motivate you to want to keep on working on your dreams, you know. Yeah. Definitely. Something about dream work is that it's very kinesthetic. So Fritz Perls, one of the originators of Gestalt Psychotherapy, most famous quote is, lose your mind and come to your senses. Wow. Yeah. Lose your mind and come to your senses. So, you know, I remember doing the piece of work with you earlier, and you recognize within yourself, Mike, how cognitive you're being. Yes. How yeah. cognitive you were. So therefore what I'm doing is bringing people to the immediate moment mm. yeah, so that they can sense it rather than think it. Yes. So we're moving from the cognitive into the felt sense of themselves, into their emotional quadrant actually, yes. because that's where the hurt is. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. where the healing is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But pain is physical, it's emotional, intellectual, spiritual. But Plato would say that all learning has an emotional base. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Later, that all learning has an emotional base. Yes. That means we are grounded in our emotional experience of the world. Mm. It's our psychological frame, and it's no accident that that's where toxic shame has its bed. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. 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 I, I remember doing an exercise once myself, and and it was a battle between sort of like the intellect and the emotional self, and all of a yeah. sudden the emotional self said something to the intellect and then the intellect sort of like counteracted it and the emotional self said you sound like just like your dad and the intellect had nowhere to go and it was a case of it just dropped the story and 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 there was a truce there and phew, that was a very profound moment for me just to sort of like you know ex experience that yeah yeah because because yeah. we are in our heads you know a lot of populations are you know it's yeah we are and uh being so we need our cognitive processing but often one way we can dissociate from our feelings is being over-cognitive. Mm. Yes, yes. It's more yeah. dissociating from our feelings. So therefore, in this work, I'm bringing people into the present moment because when you're in the here and now, you are in touch with your whole self, yeah, including your immediate experience. Mm -hmm. And your immediate experience is often a felt sense of yourself. Yeah. Yes. Yes, fantastic. Well, thank you, Alan. That was absolutely amazing. My I, pleasure. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. It's, it's, yeah, it's been, been, been brilliant. You know, I mean, there's been such a depth there of understanding the perspective of dreams and, and how and why they've emerged. And, and there's lots of tools sh shared there and, and, and the ways that, you know, it's that balance of that quadrinity of the physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual. So you know, it's, been, it's been a valuable piece of... Um, 
podcasting done there. So thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. So that's been brilliant. Thanks for that, Alan. And um, we're just going to also bring in the fact that uh, a week on Friday, that being the 1st of May, you're going to be running a, a dream workshop uh, via Zoom. So there's going to, we're going to put some information out there about um, the actual timings and what's going to be entailed. And we're obviously going to encourage the listener, if they've got a dream, if they can bring that to the workshop as well, that'd be fantastic for you to actually have that live audience there. But you're going to be doing further work. It's going to go on for about two hours a session. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Yeah, fantastic. And there will be uh, some individual experiential exercises that yeah. you can do. There will be a little bit of theory, looking more at the functionality of dreams. And then there'll be an opportunity, as you say, to uh, see me do some more demonstrations like we did with Nikki. So it should be a great podcast uh, with a lot of uh, uh, insight and hopefully... Uh, uh, growth there. Fantastic, Fantastic. Yes, yes. So we'll make sure those invitations are out. I'm looking forward to it. So with that, thank you very much. Thanks, Alan. Thank you. You've been listening to The Best Podcast. To view show notes and other resources, visit www.best.fm. Whilst there, also hit the button to subscribe to the show so you'll never miss out. There's also a link to join our Facebook group for all the latest announcements. Thank Thank you you for for listening. listening.